Welcome to the Live, Sell, Die podcast. Hi guys, we've got Cam Dunn, Tor Tomlinson and Tom Cheney here for Live, Sell, Die. We thought we'd have a quick chat about what's been going on in the Northern Hemisphere or the European section of the Northern Hemisphere. Cam's been up here for a few weeks now and it's been a great season so far. So Cam, it's your first time up here since COVID. What have you been up to? Yeah, well, it's been a year and a half lockdown. Well, not lockdown, but yeah, down in New Zealand with with COVID. Uh, obviously, very lucky to have the America's Cup on during that time, but it, it seems strange to have been travelling again after such a long time. Um, but yeah, it's awesome to be back up here in the Northern Hemisphere summer and yeah, cracked straight into the first event of the TV52 Super Series and then just finished Maxi Worlds last week and had a few days now to to chill out and catch my breath but yeah loving being back up here yeah it's pretty cool I mean we've all been super lucky obviously Tom and I were down for the America's Cup in New Zealand so got the best of both worlds with summer down there and then coming back home just in time for for summer starting here and unfortunately New Zealand are in lockdown now so we we managed to avoid lockdown here by being in New Zealand now we're back up here and and, and we're sailing while while everyone's stuck at home so yeah we've we've been pretty lucky yeah I, I must say I was feeling incredibly lucky here too I left New Zealand about three days before the lockdown hit down there so um yeah, it's really unfortunate what's going on but um hopefully it's there's some light at the end of the tunnel yeah and hopefully um we can give some of those Kiwis down there something to listen to with today's chat so, well, let's talk about the um, Super Series in Portals first. Um, I was out there doing some commentating. It was awesome to see so many people out on the water, people from you know all over the world and back at international events. Very, very cool. Tom was on Gladiator out there for the first time and Cam was out there on Phoenix. It was a, it was a really cool event, really cool to see everyone back out there. And Portals was such a great venue. We had... Uh, four days of racing and there is an invitational fleet there too so 12 TPs in the Super Series and then another nine in the invitational fleet so yeah there was a lot of boats uh, lined up and some really really close racing. You you did pretty well Cam didn't you? Yeah we finished third we're very happy for um, yeah, event one to, to get on the podium in a, in a typically incredibly tight uh, Super Series regatta, and I was very, very happy. Yeah, it was it was really cool. I think going into the last day, there was like three or four teams that could have come out on top, right? Oh, yeah, and that's so typical of, of that fleet. You know, realistically, the top seven boats, you know, there's only eight points separating them. That can easily change if we'd got a couple of races in on that last day. But unfortunately, the weather gods didn't really play and we didn't get any racing. And, um, you know, some people were disappointed and I think some were relieved because it would have been a tricky day if we had have got going. Yeah, you. I mean, you would have been happy if you were the if you were the sled guys yeah. after that <laughs> that last day, and also that 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 last start on the last day. I don't know if you saw where you were, but you know the quantum guys were really pushing the sled guys, and sled didn't have have a great start on that last race. So, ha- you know, had we been able to get those races off, it could have been a different story. But, but yeah, it was cool to see, cool to watch the racing, cool to be there, and loved how close it was. It was very cool. Yeah, what what's it's just amazing that fleet and you know it's really really tight racing. It's bumper to bumper at each at each top mark. And after a year and a half away, 
you know, the fleet's come back as tight as ever. And, you know, there's been a, f- you know, just a few little changes in there. You've got Terry Hutchinson back there on Quantum Racing. He's been out of, the, out of it for a couple of seasons, obviously concentrating on his American magic duties. Um, we had Tom Slingsby in for the first time on the back of Phoenix, who hasn't been on the 52 fleet for a long time and hasn't done a lot of it. Um, but you had all the all the classics with with Adam Bischel on the back of Sled and John Kostecki with Platoon, Adrian Stead on on Allegra. It's you know it's it's super cool. It's deep all the way down, and uh, you know there's going to be two more really exciting events coming up as well. Yeah, I, I, I that was my first time to get a proper insight into it, and looked looked awesome. Um, and Tom, it was your first time in the Super Series too. What did you what did you think of it? Yeah, I couldn't believe how how tight it was and how, you know, these guys, obviously some of the best guys in the world, as Cam just described, but just throwing those boats round on the race course with no- nothing between them. And y- you can you can have a good start and suddenly go from first to fifth in the blink of an eye. Um, and actually the day with the invitational boats when there were, I, I can't remember how many boats on the same start line. It's like 15 or something, right? Um, yeah, I think it was, I think it was 16, but yeah, yeah that, that was a fantastic day's racing and, you know, and a hell of a spectacle. Um, and unfortunately there were a few, there were a couple of coming together in that. Right. But, but, um, but yeah, it was a fantastic opportunity for me and it was a, it was a great thing to, to go and be part of. I, I, I hope to get out there again at some point. Yeah. I think gladiator pro- programs, cool one. The Tony's always, been in there and loves his 52s he's got about three of them all around the, all around the world isn't he and and actually I think he was one of the teams that well one of the only teams that had all guys from from one country um, yeah, a on whole, board a whole British a whole whole British crew which was actually pretty cool and I mean as as Cam was describing you know America um you know Terry back from American Magic we had we had Goody and we had Giles and a, a lot, lot of other Ineos faces on our boat um yeah it was it was very cool and and it's cool to see how those guys work and 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 just sailing at that level it's it was awesome hey you had bradley mclaughlin too who's people are arguing that he's kiwi now (laughs) he sounds a bit kiwi but i'm pretty sure he's still got a british passport (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna take him a while before he can claim to be a kiwi i'll tell you that (laughs) <laughs> it's, but it was so funny that everyone in New Zealand thinks he's such a Brit and then he comes home after being in New Zealand for a couple of years and they're like, oh my God, that's, he, Bradley's got a Kiwi accent. <laughs> so he's somewhere, he's stuck somewhere in the middle now. Funny. Cool. Okay. Well, it's the Menorca Super Series next week, Cam, is that right? Yeah, we start training. Uh, I think the owner-driver teams start training on Friday, this coming Friday, and the uh, rest of the teams start on Saturday, racing Monday next week. Monday, well, I think the official practice race on Monday, and then then into it for the for the second event. Yeah, Menorca always tends to throw up some pretty random conditions from from uh, history there. We've done a few 52 events over the last few years and it's it's a real challenging place to sail. We You get touched by a lot more of the sort of the mistral coming down than you do here in Palmer. Um, you can get some pretty big sea state and then you can get some real shifty offshore breezes. So it can throw anything up. So I'm expecting to see a, a quite a mixed um, scorecard up there. Cool. 
hopefully it'll be as close as ever. I'm not coming out to Menorca, but I will see you at the end of October, start of November, if you're going to be back at the um, other Palma event. Yeah, um, I'll be there. Looking forward to. I can't get home to New Zealand, so I'll be here for sure. Oh no, you can't. You can't actually go home just now. Have you not got a place? Oh no, I'm I'm home in yeah November after that event. I certainly can't go home before it. Okay, God, yeah, I've mm. I've actually been bumping into quite a few Kiwis around here as well between between events because everyone's like, well, you know, come up and do some sailing, and then it's pretty. You have to commit to going going home because of the um, yeah. isolation oh, and stuff. So yeah. yeah it's a quite, sh- it's a very strange system they're running at the moment. It's a bit of a shocker. There's a lot of people yeah. stuck stuck up here that just can't get home. Um, yeah. And and at the moment, there's no real light to know when that'll change. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I feel lucky. I'm lucky. I've got a spot, so I'll uh, I'll just keep quiet on it. Yeah. Fing- <laughs> well, fingers crossed yeah. that, <laughs> that you don't have to do it again. This will be the only time, hopefully. No. Exactly. Um. Yeah, so after Super Series, it was Maxi Worlds for you, Cam, was it? Yeah, Maxi Worlds. Um, I was over there coaching the Cannonball team and the um, sort of, I guess, the the mini Maxa, mini Maxi Racer One division. I think they call it. Um, yeah, with the with a bunch of the other mini Maxis or the Maxi Seventy Twos. Um, yeah, really cool event. It was amazing. This this. Maxi Worlds. Um, I guess it's a maybe it's a post-COVID thing. Um, really big fleet, and amongst all the all the various classes, um, and, and just super cool to see the the the, um, the big boats all racing really really close. You had the likes of Comanche, Rambler, and then the the two big one hundreds, um, and Galatea and Magic Carpet. You had the new deep blue out there yeah it was super cool to see really good close racing in the in the really big maxi fleet which i don't think we've ever seen that good a racing and that stuff ever before and uh, all the comments there what it was one of the most enjoyable regattas that most of the people have ever done yeah it looked amazing and and actually even more so from the the super series you know just bigger boats more boats more people you know all, all the boys were there. I heard for, from um, Dave Sweet the other day he, when he came back, um, s- stepping back onto Cape Thirty One, which I think was a bit <laughs> of a bit of a shock from a from the Fifty Two then into the Maxis. And yeah, he was just saying that it was nice to see everyone again, and you know, everyone from from every everyone from everywhere was there um, competing. He said it was a bit light, but no, still still super yeah. cool and. It was it was a light event in general, um, but you know, like Porto Chuvo does it. You know, the the racing there is so spectacular. You know, especially mm. with the co- with the coastal courses, you you don't get anywhere better in the world than racing up around La Madalena and Monaci and into Bomb Alley. It, it's just absolutely phenomenal. You're skirting around rocks and crystal clear water. That you know, the nerves are up in various points from the navigators and the tacticians, from making sure they don't hit anything because that's pretty fatal around that part of the world. Um, yeah, super cool event. And the Yacht Club Costas Marauder always always do a good job at, at putting it on. You know, yeah, unfortunately, we didn't have um, as much wind as everyone probably would have liked and you didn't get racing in on the last day. But, yeah, su- hugely successful event. That sounds very stressful as a navigator. I think oh, <laughs> a, good, yeah. a good one to have skipped. Oh, um, it's, I think it's, it's one that as a navigator, you know, the the, the – 
the ones that have done it a lot of time, they definitely have an edge where that they they know the various rocks. I know the charts aren't necessarily perfect, so there's a lot of local knowledge about you know who's hit what and where and how and and they do all get together and chat about things. I know there was a lot of interest just in this event with some of the drone footage in the in the Maxi seventy twos racing around where they'd all passed over a few rocks and various navigators didn't think it was possible and others obviously did and uh, lots of discussion going on and note taking for next time round. Yeah, that sounds expensive cool. putting one of those one of those boats on a rock. Well yeah, there's there's nothing soft. There's nothing soft around the Costa Smelter. It's all very hard. So when you hit something you hit it properly. Well that that sounds Great. I'm, I mean, it's re- super cool that um, all these events have kind of managed to be back to back for you guys um, coming up here. And it definitely feels like all the ceilings coming back after after COVID and stuff. So, yeah, cool to see the owners still all out there pushing all the sailing. And um, yeah, hopefully it'll hopefully it'll keep up. Yeah, well, I think there's almost a there's almost like a, re- a renewed energy in the sport. You know, we've seen that right down to the local level. I think in all around the world, by all accounts, certainly in New Zealand, it's like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know in England, you guys have had huge fleets going on with you, you know, and a hugely successful fast net race and things where, you know, this post COVID world, people are, are really excited to get out and do stuff they love doing. Definitely. Well, actually, one of the examples of that that I w- wanted to chat about was the the Cape 31 class. You know, um, Dave Sweet and Dave Bart that I was um, talking about before, they they had this sort of vision as COVID happened. They brought one of the Cape 31s up from Cape Town in, I think it was November 2019. So literally, you know, a few months before COVID. And then they sailed it six up in our few races in that summer um just after lockdown and things and decided to have a go at building a class and now we've got nine here in the Solent and there's another 15 or so ordered for going to Ireland so the start of next season we're going to have like 20 boats and you know it's pretty awesome to have that and they're they're basically like mini TPs basically that you sail with like six or seven people and yeah super cool class um and lots of people coming down from fast 40s into the class or stepping up from you know boats like j109s j111s j70s those sort of boats so um yeah it's cool to see it happening and i hope that it'll keep going maybe in other places do you think it do you think new zealand could could see some capes so it's quite far away from cape town it, it, well it is but um you know that they, they they do suit you know somewhere like new zealand i guess similar to racing in the solent where you could do a lot of harbor sort of harbor racing and you, you know you get the chance to rip around reach around the place as well as going up one down one they you know auckland would suit it yeah um, you know, the, the, there's been a great resurgence in Auckland in the in the 40 foot class at the moment. So I think that the the best thing for the Auckland scene is just to concentrate on that one that one area in the moment. We don't have yeah, enough, yeah. enough people to diversify, but certainly you know it's great to see the 31s. I was lucky enough to sail the Cape 31s in Cape Town a bunch of years ago, um, and actually did a did a coaching clinic for the fleet down there. Um, in what well, must have been early 2019 or late 2018. And yeah, I think super, it was super impressed with the boats. 
they're so yeah. they're so much fun and you know the fact that they can just kind of get up on the step in about 12 13 knots of breeze mm. is what i think people like about them you know they're pretty exciting little boats to sail but also relatively easy to sail yeah well you know obviously they're designed to be able to sail in cape town in, in all conditions and it's either normally in cape town it's either six to eight knots or it's 25 to 30 so they're they're pretty awesome boats ripping around down there at 25 to 30 knots and yeah manageable yeah i mean and actually you know talking about the um auckland uh, sort of 40s fleet and stuff you know the melges 40s in there it's actually the mark mills boat the mark mills designs that are um seem to be doing well around the world in those sort of fleets at the minute i think it's one of the reasons it's kind of taken off up here is that they rate well under IRC as well as being good one design boats, you know, so people mm. can still go out um, and race their boats in normal regattas on, on handicap, but they can also do some one design stuff, which like is often quite attractive to, to boat owners. Yeah, for sure. And that, you know, that's why the 52 has been such a successful class for so long because they do once they've, you know, even these new sort of Grand Prix ones that are in the Super Series, when they are sold on, they do they do rate really well in IRC and the other racing, and you know, people get a chance to to compete well in in, in those boats. Yeah, yeah I think well, it's also tour that that like them being good at IRC has kind of got them over that critical mass of of getting those first few boats in. It didn't feel like you were going out on too much of a limb buying one because you ultimately if the class wasn't successful then you'd be able to go do some really good racing but i think the reason that it's suddenly gone from being five boats to 20 boats and maybe more is is just that people are desperate to go one design sailing and actually it's i don't i don't think we've had a a one design fleet like this that's a proper little yacht in the solent since the mum 30 and and it's and it's just got that same kind of magic to it and and i think that you know we just did a just did a what should have been a kind of small royal southern regatta this weekend um in, in the capes and there were seven boats uh you know racing one design and it was fantastic competitive one design racing with none of this corrected time you know <laughs> line honors winning on the water and then trying to work out who's won stuff it was you know neck and neck round short little courses and back to the yacht club for a beer it was great it, and it and it's it's just the best kind of sailing in my eye if you're for inshore sailing how good is it to just know when you've crossed the finish line where you what placing you got i love it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know and, and it and changing places at mark roundings and then you know just trying to get your just trying to get your nose over the line before the other guys. It's awesome. It's the way forward. Yeah, you don't you don't need a maths degree to figure out where you've come before they tell you. Cool. I'm excited about that class and um, looking forward to see what's going to happen over the next few months. Um, also see where different owners are going to come in and slot in. And we've got some North boats and some Doyle boats, but I've heard that one of the teams might be going quantum and stuff. So yeah, it'd be cool to see the development in the class as well. What else has been going on up here? What then? about um, I've, I've just I must say, Tor, I just I've been killing a bit of time here in the last couple of days down here in Palmer. I've watched a little bit of TV, and I, they had the Fastnet documentary on on recently. We can't, but yeah, there was well, there was a you know a whole hour and a half show on the on the Fastnet on TV here. Really? Um, wow! Yeah, I need to yeah. watch that. 
Yeah, it was well, you know, and I guess we can't we can't um, you know leave this chat without talking about the fastnet and, and your guys' performance. Yeah, and, and, I, well, and that I mean, race, you know, it was um, <laughs> phenomenal. But it, again, what a what a awesome fleet, you know, between the two handed the two handed fleet and then having the the Scorpius out there and and uh, man, unreal. The coolest thing yeah. about that race, I think, is all the small races that go on within mm. it. And it, it, you, you know, we were in a JPK eleven eighty, and I think there were five. 1180s that started or something in 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 irc2 uh, and we've got some regular opposition that you know we're always always battling it out with in that class that so you've kind of got that was the race that we saw and then everyone's kind of got their version of that the double-handed fleet is is so strong um in you know in the channel at the moment the, obviously the obviously the french love it but it mm. seems like over the last couple of years i noticed the same thing seems to be happening in auckland but the last couple of years i think the brits have have kind of got it and are you know buying these purpose-built boats for double handing the the sunfast three three hundreds being the kind of the obvious choice and they're having this tremendous battle and and this really awesome competition where you have several people that are very strong and 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 it's it's really really cool to watch it i don't think i fancy it myself but um but it, yeah it looks it looks awesome and 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 the scorpius i mean that thing was incredible i mean i i find it i i have a massive soft spot for the big the big multis but there's something just mind-blowing about a monohull that big cruising around in 30 knots off the start and and it just looks yeah just incredible I think a lot of credit needs to go to that team for you know for for on the timeline they had from from building and launching and commissioning and then getting to the start line there and 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 then starting off in the conditions you had and then you know seemingly seemingly getting around the track with no with no issues that was um, you know great effort by that team. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I I will not forget that that start of the fastnet day <laughs> for a while it was a big day out for everyone. Um, and unfortunately, they on that morning, they changed the the start time for us because usually so, you know, for the spectacle, they start the little boats first. And then because it's not it's not like the Sydney mm. where, where everyone starts at the same time. They have to stagger the yeah. is so long and narrow for that many boats. So usually the little boats go off first and then they send the big boats are off. So all the little boats get to see the spectacle of these, you know, massive boats coming through the fleet. But because it was so windy and it was wind against tides, you know, pretty big waves coming um, into the into the Solent and particularly at Hurst where the Solent nar- narrows and you, you head out into the channel. Um, so they put the big boats first. So we didn't actually even get to see um scorpius that morning and heading off but i saw some footage and some pictures and stuff and it just just looked epic i mean for us it was survival mode for the first almost 24 hours um we we said as we were going to the start line um you know today is it's about racing but it's also making sure you get through the first day because it's it's a long race of fast mm. and i think you know a lot of boats ended up not either not making it to to the start line because they broke stuff on the way out you know there was mainsails in half there was rigs coming down going out the sole and it was it was 
a huge day out and um yeah hats off to those guys on 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 Scorpius who hadn't had the time and time to prep basically like yeah. we, we had we we've been prepping for that fastnet for the last two years basically so yeah yeah awesome yeah. and very very cool to see I, I love that you know some people say that they don't like the fact they don't like it when people just you know put their checkbooks out and build the biggest boats to get line honors and things but actually the the development and the the technology that that goes in and all the man hours behind boats like that is just amazing and it really it brings on brings on the sport and brings on the the development in boats to come basically so oh yeah 100 percent. you know it all trickles down eventually all what they learn you you see you know in the in the smaller boats now you just got to look at the amount of boats that are coming out now with with foils and and all sorts you know and we talked about the america's cup and how unreal that is and but you know, it's not real sailing. Well, all that technology from the America's Cup, you're seeing transferred into to almost, you know, not quite, but almost everyday racing boats, and, and it'll just get more and more. Yeah, and I mean, and and that is also the the beauty of the line honors thing, and and then also the IRC. You know, we were one of the. I, it's I can't really put into words what I'm trying to say because. I've been trying to do it since we finished the race and it's a really funny one. You know, everyone's always like, congrats, like amazing. You guys won the fast net. And we, we still say to each other and the rest of the crew, like when we see each other, like we won the fast net. How did we like, <laughs> how did we win the fast net? You know, it takes such a sort of multitude of things to, to, to do that, that you, no one ever really expects or, even thinks or goes out that day saying, you know, I'm going to win the fast net. That's hundred percent what we're going to do because even if absolutely everything goes your way, you know, it could go someone else's way better. And um, yeah, we, we, we went out to win our class and that's what we've been doing all season. And then it takes, you know, the tides and the, the weather forecast and, you know, loads of other things to sort of come together and, it, it did for us this time and you know we kind of feel like we've used used up all our luck you know and with the IRC um, rule as well you know some conditions play in our favor some don't with some wind angles play in our favor some don't you know we went out there and had quite a lot of, of reaching which is perfect for sunrise and then a few weeks later well last week we went out and um, it was the last offshore race of the season and it was pretty much a massive windward lured in you know 12 to 18 knots and then the symmetric boats just mm. point at the bo- point at the mark pull back and then and we have to zigzag down and we p- probably end up there about the same time but we give them loads of time on IRC so you know it, it really depends on all those things so and not it's hard for me to kind of put it all into words but um yeah I think it's pretty well, awesome I think in any any of those races, you need a little bit of luck on your side, of course, as you say. But it's generally it's always the good teams that tend to get the luckiest. You know, yeah, that's yeah. the more effort you put exactly. in and the more you yeah. practice, the luckier you seem to get. Exactly, like you're, just, you're, you're just taking out the taking out some of the variables that can come and bite you in the bum. You know, if you, if you practice well and you put in your your study and your effort and got all your stuff sorted and know how to sail the boat properly and are sailing it, you know, at a hundred percent whatever the conditions are. And as you said earlier, you know, knowing that that first day was all about, you know, just making sure you're still in the race 24 hours later and in good shape 
to then be able to push later on. Um, yeah. You know, that, that's all good sound tactics. And I'm sure that led to, a, you know, why the result ended up so well for you. So, yeah. Bloody good, was, bloody good effort. It was pretty cool. And um, I mean, Tom, you as a sort of navigator, I guess it's easier for you to figure out exactly where things went right. And because, you know, nav- um, offshore racing is so much about navigating. And there is a few things that, that um, made it easier for us. We got some new satcoms and things that we hadn't had in previous races, which, you know, just again, um, make it easier for you. You, 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 we were speaking to people after the race and they were saying, you know, how they're waiting till they got to the rock to get a grab and then, then not going close enough to the sillies on the way back. So they were sailing blind and there was a massive shutdown that we managed to manage to avoid. And yeah, pretty cool. What do you think, Tom? That definitely helped. <laughs> definitely <laughs> helped. I mean, there were a few things like the weather, the weather forecast, the models, the, the array model was, was super accurate. Um, in the Irish Sea, and actually, that you know, we made some just, just made some sensible decisions. There was a big righty, so we just we don't go upwind very well. So there was a big righty, <laughs> so we just cracked off, smashed off to the right, and then tacked. And then there was a big lefty, so we, you know, we it was going to be a big lefty, so we smashed off to the left and then tacked, and then we laid the rock, and then suddenly, you're like, oh, where's everybody else gone? And actually, on the way back, I I wasn't really looking at the tracker that closely. And I keep looking. I, I have to pinch myself now when I and I go back and look at the tr- the tracker for our class, on the way back. But we we were looking at the models and and trying to trying to close with the the bigger boats in front of us because we because we're quite quick on that wind angle, and you know we knew we were reeling them in. And then I I looked at the tracker to see where the boats that were that had been about twenty miles behind us were, and they were a hundred miles behind us. And I wow. and I sort of suddenly realised that that we'd we'd hung on to this pressure system that that the guys behind us had just fallen out of the back of and and we kind of knew that that was the big picture and we were pushing super hard to yeah we basically ended up being the the smallest boat that managed to stay in that pressure right yeah yeah and 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 we kind of knew it and and i and i'd said i'd said earlier that day that we would only make it if we if we sailed like 102 percent of targets and luckily we sailed at 104 percent of targets or something so clearly my targets are rubbish and, um, <laughs> and, and we and we yeah we had a glamour um, well, also, but we should also the, talk about the, the the new race course quickly you know finishing at sherberg the the tides through alderney race mm. and around that corner are just killer and we were very lucky that we arrived there just as the tide turned with us to take us around the corner to the finish and God, if you'd got there with tide against you, it's, um, I think through the ordinary race, we had something like six or seven knots of tide. One point um, we were doing 12 knots upwind and six and a half knots of breeze. Yeah. Um, okay. And I couldn't work out where the breeze was actually coming from. You know, if you've got seven knots of tide and you're going sideways across it, you know, where, how, what, what's the ground wind direction and how do you compare that to your forefront? <laughs> yeah, it was terrifying. But yeah, so, so there was definitely yeah. a healthy dose of luck. So with the with the finish of the race there in Sherbourg, what's what is the general consens- consensus? You know, since the race is finished, do, do most people, you know, think it's a good a good thing? You know, I guess from a racing standpoint, tactically and all that, it off- offers a lot of different challenges. I thought it was a more interesting race because of it. And we it, wouldn't have won if we went to Plymouth. No, that's right. probably true. 
I don't know. It was an interesting thought. Uh, yeah, it was a more interesting race. But then I think if we'd been on the other side of that tidal gate at the end, long race. Yep. I don't know. I, I, I have quite mixed feelings about it. The, the one, the really positive thing I'd say about it was that the race village in Sherberg was, was awesome. Next level. Yeah, it was right. great. And, and, the, and the, you know, the, the local people of, of Sherberg were, you know, out in force and ecstatic to have the, the race finishing there. And, and, and the village was buzzing, even though actually, you know, probably not as many British boats as, as um, would have liked to actually stop there. Cause at that point you did have to be sort of double jabbed and stuff to get in. And, and it was kind right. of, not every or and not everyone in you know under 30 at that point was double double jabbed so it was um yeah well that kind of took the edge off a bit but I, I do think if we can do it again in two years and finish there and have a massive party it'll be amazing so, yeah, i think cool. i've heard a lot of chat about it afterwards and yeah obviously there was people on the wrong side of that title title gate that was really painful and you know at, after we finished and actually as we finished it was getting light and there were boats that, because of that tidal gate and the light winds, basically it took them two days to do the last 50 miles, you know, the, the little boats at the end. And, and that's super painful. Um, there's been talk about putting a sort of virtual mark in the middle of the channel or, right. or yeah. make, making the boats leave the TSS near the finish, a mark of the course, and you basically have to leave it to, to starboard. Um, now that that could potentially be a solution if they you know if they really thought that the tide was too much but no I'm, I'm guessing we'll hear in the next um, few months or actually maybe not actually that soon but you know there'll definitely be some chat um, out of it and I hope that they they get the sailors opinions as well because yeah it's a pretty big deal having six knots of tide against you when you've not got any breeze <laughs> yeah especially in those little boats yeah, definitely. So there is boats that that were still finishing while we were at the prize giving, which is like a week after the start, and it's six hundred miles. So yeah, I think we yeah, had was... two nights in our own bed by that point. I felt pretty, I felt pretty bad for those guys. But some, I spoke to a few of them, and they were just having a great time. So I'd, yeah, but yeah. yeah, we weren't even a big boat though. You know, that like right. they they talk about it being a big boat race or a little boat race, and what's funny is that is almost never a middle sized boat race. And interestingly, apparently the Fastnet was this year. So, <laughs> or maybe it was just a, a JPK kind of race because um, I don't know if you've seen the results from the last few years, Cam, but um, the the JPKs, the little French designed Jacques Villiers boats are loving that course. And wow. um, yeah, generally doing pretty well. So actually those boats are pretty oh. cool. And it's quite hard to get your hands on one because they originally only... Yeah, definitely. They they he originally only sold the eleven eighties to people that had owned ten eighties. Ah, right, classic. Um, because he's got a relatively small boat shed, and he basically builds a boat at a time out of the mold and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think there's only five or six of the eleven eighties out there at the minute. So, our owner's pretty pretty happy that his um that his boat is probably going up in value at the minute. So, yeah, it's quite cool. Maybe we'll bring it down to the southern hemisphere at some point and try try out the probably be the a Hobart good boat for the Hobart. It. Yeah, well, I think um, Jerry Trontesson took the 1080 down and won his class in the Hobart a few years ago. Yeah, I don't way. think there's it is a long way. You wouldn't want to sail it down there. I wouldn't be planning on it at the moment. I'd wait for the COVID uh, situation to settle down a bit before oh, that God. happens. Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, I think that's that's. 
quite a lot of chat about sailing. I love chatting about sailing. It's been a busy few months up here. Obviously, there's been Cows Week and um, other events going on in the Med and things, but that's what we've been up to. Maybe we'll try and catch up after the Super Series, Cam, and see how you're doing that one. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be good. We're really looking forward to it. It's just you know, just you know, the racing is just so good, and I think it's only going to get better with the, with the break. You know, and it's it's a sort of a short little condensed season this year with just the three events. So these two sort of are almost the warm up for the for the world, world and, and the fifty two the the series championship is sort of a bit unique where it's not a it's not where you place in the regatta. It's just like one big long regatta with no throwouts. So every race counts. So it's, you know, there was only, it was such a condensed scorecard after portals that um, it'll still be the same heading into the world. So it'll be all on. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we've, we've got a few weeks off now. It's um, coming down a bit here in England, but planning yeah. for the planning for the middle sea race. Oh That's yes. Yeah, nice. Next big adventure. Yeah. Putting sunrise in, on a ship in a few weeks. And interestingly, we're, so the, the boat that we're, one of the closest competitors within our class in the Fastnet um, lost its rig about half an hour into the race. Um, They're basically like T-boned by another boat. They didn't see them. And um, so we're sharing the boat with them for a middle oh. series. So that should be fun. Yeah, unique. So yeah, well, yeah, maybe we'll catch up after Super Series, after Middle Sea and update all our Live, Sail, Die fans on what's going on up here hopefully new zealand will be out of lockdown by then i think they're in level three now aren't they yeah auckland's just moved to level three the rest of the country's in level two but yeah it'd be another couple of weeks like that and then hopefully hopefully it'll get life a bit back to normal after that but um yeah, yeah. very very uncertain and unknown times yeah well it was literally this this time last year tom and i were in isolation hotel by by the airport coming in um to get ready for the cup so yeah time flies when you're when you're having fun exactly awesome oh, and ho- awesome hopefully we'll find out in a few weeks where the next cup's going to be as well uh yeah don't hold your breath <laughs> i i really want to come back to auckland loved it <laughs> uh, i think uh, i would love to have it in auckland but i really can't see it happening unfortunately um yeah i think you know I, there's no one i don't think there's anyone in team new zealand that doesn't want to have it in Auckland yeah um, but it's just you know reality and unfortunately the cup you know has become too expensive yeah you know, it's yeah. a bit of the it's a problem with the success they've had and the way that they've you know that you know and team New Zealand's part of the problem you yeah know, they've cre- they've created this event and and uh you know that the change in the fleet the, the boat design and all that, but the event is so damn expensive now that um, unfortunately, if you can't even keep it in your own country, there's there's something wrong. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's, well, a, that's a whole other discussion. It is. It's, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's super interesting. Could spend another well, hour talking about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, quick one before we go. Then, what? Where's your money on? Where do you think it will be? Yeah, to See be honest, can... or I, I, I think I think it sounds. It, yeah, you know, I haven't. To be honest, I, I I try not to get too too uh, into what's going on. There's so yeah. many different stories and and rumors and things, but it sounds like the the Spanish the Spanish one's intriguing. I would have liked yeah. to have seen it. I would have liked to have seen it back in Valencia. I think it would, it's a it suits that type of thing, but that's fallen through now by the sounds of it. Um, but yeah, I I, know, I don't know. 
you know, it, it could change. It could do another 180 degrees in the next couple of weeks. It's it's sort of like one of those ones where it's just like, well, let's just wait for the announcement. They'll tell us an announcement's yeah. coming in a couple of weeks and then it'll get delayed. Yeah, um, yeah the sure. announcement yes. will be there's no announcement. Yeah, but it gets, I, a, bit, it gets yeah. a bit painful. Yeah. I think my money would probably be on, be on Spain at the moment as well. I think... So, it, it kind of sounds quite workable. I think I think that that could I think that could could work. I mean, I, I'd also like to go back to Auckland, so I'm <laughs> I'm biased. Well, maybe but... maybe maybe they heard it here first. I I was going to say Spain as well. So it sounds like <laughs> there, you, there you go. That's where the brains have it. Yeah. Cool. Okay, Alex. Cool. Well, yeah. Cool to catch up, Cam. Thanks, yeah, Tom. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Um. Yeah. We'll catch Good up. Good chat, Cam. Might see you in Parma. Yeah. Yeah, great. Awesome. See you guys. <laughs> Cheers, mate.